Um, so we're, we're looking at Eco Church Sunday. So you've got my Eco Church slides up here. I hope you appreciate them. Um, today we're going to be thinking about three things, right? I want us to think about who is impacted by climate change. Um, why should we care about this? And what can we do about it? Quite straightforward. But hopefully, the one thing I don't want to do is patronize you guys, right? I'm 29 years old, and you guys know way more about the environment than me, if you're younger than me, probably. Um, but I'm vegetarian, so that's my kudos. That's, that's, <laughs> I can do this talk. Um, so I, would just, I want to talk about those three things, about you know, who, who does it impact, and why should we care, what can we do? But just to give a really broad um, overhaul of like, why I think a Christian rationale for why we should care about the environment. And you, you could spend hours talking about this, and I could go into much more depth, but I'm just going to go broad strokes just to set the scene. But if you want to talk more about this side of things, then chat to me after. There's some great books I can point you to. But the situation, right, is that uh, Psalm 24, verse 1, God made the earth and everything in it. The, the earth belongs to the Lord. And we can read the creation narratives in Genesis, which are really helpful. And it talks about how God made the earth before he made man. So God made the earth first, and at funerals you might hear from dust we were made and to dust we will return, which talks about, you know, the earth was here before us and it's going to be here after us. The earth is important. And then when we think about what we're, taught, we're told to do on the earth, it says that God put man onto the earth to do these things on the screen behind me, right? To be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue the earth, to rule over the earth. And then Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And this is what we've been told to do, right? This is our mandate to look after the planet. And you can zoom in on um, Genesis 2.15, and the, the word they used for work is really interesting. It's a word called abad. And it's a Hebrew word, and it's used 215, 285 times in the Bible, and 52 of those times it is translated as worship, and the rest is translated as work. So it's this word that's like this double meaning, um, which kind of tells us a little bit about what we're here to do. It's like to worship and to work and to look after the earth. It's kind of part of our calling. So that's the situation. But what's the problem? What's the reality? What are we facing? Well, Pope Francis talks about the fact that we have taken these instructions and our sinful human hearts uh, has done a violence to this and we've kind of flipped it on its head. So if we go to the next slide, um, it, instead of ruling the earth, what we have done is, Pope Francis says, we've enslaved the earth to satisfy and des our desires and our greed which is pretty bleak, isn't it? Um, and you can talk about Romans 8.22, that the earth groans, that the earth groans because of the way that we've enslaved it. Because climate change is a result of human's greed, right? I think that's kind of the basic situation that we're looking at here. We've got, you know, we live in a world where the Amazon is a company, Amazon is a company where you can get stuff that you order the same day. It's crazy. And Amazon, as in like the rainforest that we've cut down so that we can make beef burgers. Um, all we're doing is like to get stuff, to get fuel, to get money, so that we can get more stuff, fuel, and money. And it's kind of killing the planet. It's very cheery talk, isn't it? It's, it's pretty bleak. Um, but we have to take responsibility, and there is hope. But that's kind of the broad strokes picture of what we are looking at. And as I talk about things like Amazon and deforestation people, I'm reminded of the cheesy Christian phrase where 
when, when you've got one finger pointing at someone else, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. Um, so why don't you start thinking about the three fingers? And that's what we're going to do tonight. But you guys don't need me to tell you any of that. You know all that stuff, right? So the first question, start off at 10 with the people around you, your new best friends. Who does climate change impact? You've got two minutes. Go. Um, so, I hope that you feel enlightened after that conversation. i got three questions for you. I was wondering if, if anyone has ever slept in a leaky tent. If you've gone camping, your mate's been like, I'll bring a tent, don't worry, it's a great tent. And then it rains, and then you're just waking, you're just like swimming when you wake up. Uh, okay, that's number one. Number two, has if you've ever uh, had to drink something, and then you realized as you drank it that it wasn't the drink that you thought you were about to drink? Do you know what I mean? Anyone, anyone been to a party and drank from a can that's got a cigarette in it? <laughs> yeah, you don't forget that. It's bad. I don't recommend flipping heck. Um, third one, have you ever been, uh, had one of those evenings where you're all just sitting outside? It's like a nice summer evening, and then you're having a nice time. And then all of a sudden, you just realize that you're just getting completely eaten alive by bugs. Just everywhere. You need to get one of those magic candles. Um, you're like, who has one of those candles? It reminded me of that uh, African proverb that's like, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. That's a bit of wisdom there. Uh, well, right now, folks, those three things, it's a daily reality for anyone who's in Pakistan uh, because that country has been absolutely ravaged by floods. If we go to the next slide, we'll see that due to an unprecedented monsoon season, uh, there's unimaginable levels of rainfall have occurred in Pakistan. And at the start of September, one third of the entire country was underwater. The flooding itself has destroyed large residential areas, it's damaged farmland, and it's caused landslides, not to mention the fact that it's spread a lot of disease. Over 2 million homes have been destroyed, which you can see kind of mapped on this chart here. And over 33 million people have been significantly affected by these floods. Some more cheery stats for you today. Uh, 1,600 people so far have been reported dead. Over 800,000 livestock have been reported dead. 100 bridges have collapsed. And thousands of kilometers of road have been destroyed. The sewers in Pakistan are overflowing because of these floods. There are waterborne diseases everywhere. There's rubbish floating around. And the worst part is that there's still more rain forecast. Food at the moment is difficult to find. Shelter as well is at a premium. And clean water is not really a luxury for many at the moment. And I share all this just to mention the fact that these conditions, they're non-discriminate in Pakistan right now. They are impacting not just the fit and healthy, the wealthy, but they're impacting children, people with additional needs, pregnant women, new nursing mothers, the elderly, the sick. The floods, they won't just displace the people that can afford to fly, who might have family in other countries. The floods are gonna be impacting the most vulnerable people the most. And the thing is that flooding like this is happening because of climate change. It rained continuously this year for two months in Pakistan, which is double the length of time that it usually rains for. And this season of the monsoon, there was three times as much water than they have had compared to the last 30-year average. And what's crazy about this is that three months before the floods this year, 
it was 49 degrees in Pakistan, which is some of the hottest temperatures they've had recorded. And it means that the glaciers have melted from the Himalayas and from the Hindu Kush region and gone straight into the Indus River, partly causing some of this flooding. And like the ground is baked so hot that it doesn't absorb water in the same way. So the long and short of it, the point that I'm trying to make is that climate change impacts the vulnerable. Climate change is impacting some of the world's poorest people in some of the most horrendous ways. And unfortunately, the flooding in Pakistan is a prime example of that. And just to drive the point home, I've got a lovely video, 52 seconds of intenseness, but it's important stuff. If we get, were you good on the video? For millions of people across the world, the changing climate means empty stomachs, lost livelihoods, and homes swept away. It's time for world leaders to deliver on their promises to address this. My name is Promise Salawo. I work with Tier 4 Nigeria. In the northern parts, we're experiencing drought, we're experiencing heat waves. Many, many farmers are unable to farm anymore, leading to increase in poverty. In the south, south, we're experiencing rainfalls, flooding. People are losing livelihoods and their homes. And this makes me feel very, very sad. And as extreme weather events increase, many nations are being forced to divert money away from essential public services, such as healthcare and schooling, to protect themselves against the impacts of the climate crisis, a crisis they didn't cause. This is a huge injustice. Thanks very much. There are some really great resources on the Tear Fund website if you want to read a bit more. Um, but yes, on that note, I want to ask you a second question. And I want to ask you um, if we got a new slide up for this question. Why should we care? That's the really simple question. The, more, the next level question is, what is a theological rationale for why we should care? Like, what is like a, some biblical reasoning? But if you want to go just straight down the line, why should we care? You got two minutes, make your case. Um, why should we care? I mean, it seems an obvious question, right? Um, but it's an important one to ask. And when you think about what it says in the Bible, it's also important. Because the way I, I wanted to go and what I could have done, and I wrote an essay on this at college um, about like why we should care about the planet as a whole. But I just felt like tonight it'd be really good for us just to think about the, the simple point in the Bible that God's heart is for the poor, God's heart is for the vulnerable, God's heart is for the needy um, and ultimately that is why climate change is something that as the church we, we've got to be all in for we've got to be all in for it because it's, it's about the people the Bible and the teachings of Jesus they are emphatically positioned towards the love and the care of the vulnerable, from the poor, the widow, the foreigner, the sick, again and again and again, the Bible calls us repeatedly to this ministry. And I'm just going to go through like five examples of this in the Bible. Um, it says it in Leviticus 19:33. Says, "When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourselves, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God." Then in Deuteronomy 27, 19, it says, Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. 
Psalm 82, verse 3 says, Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7 says, Loose the chains of injustice. Set the oppressed free. Share your food with the hungry. Provide the wanderer with shelter. Clothe the naked. Then in Matthew, there's people, Jesus is talking about who will, who will he see in the kingdom of heaven. And he's, uh, he, he talks about the people who saw him when he was hungry and fed him, thirsty, and he gave them something to drink. Uh, when he was a stranger, they, he, they invited him in. When they, he needed clothes, they clothed him. And when he was sick or in prison, they visited. And then I've got this on a slide as well. The king will reply, and they said, when did we see you like this? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Those are just a few examples in the Bible, but it comes up again and again and again and again. And, you know, just I'm just going to go back into like the, the depressing bit about climate change and the effect on the poor, if you will just humor me. I think it's important that we hear it. Um, but it's real, right? Climate change does impact the poor. And the floods in Pakistan is one example. Another example is found in the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the IPCC, and they came out with a report in 2020. You may have read it. And it concluded that if the world's temperature remains at two degrees above pre-industrial temperatures, which is pretty close to where it is now, then by 2030, that's not that long away, eight years, quick maths, Twice as many species will be destroyed. The world economy will be dramatically impacted and three times as many people will be impacted by a shortage of water, food insecurity and uninhabitable conditions. This will cause political chaos, a heightened chance of conflict and will see many forced to flee their homes. Welcome to church. The countries that will be most affected are those that rely heavily on agriculture and have less infrastructure and wealth to reduce their carbon emissions. In short, humanity must listen to both the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. And to that end, I believe, and I think it's quite obvious that the church really need to wake up to the fact that the ecological crisis that we are seeing is a social justice crisis. Ecological issues are social justice issues. That is the long and the short of the situation. So here comes the positive spin. Are you ready? (laughs) We've come all the way down the mountain. We're going to go back up. What can we do that's actually helpful (laughs) is a question I'm sure you're screaming on the inside. So I'm going to let you answer it first, and then I'm going to take a stab, okay? Two minutes. Go. I've got a mate who's like, just vowed to never go on holiday again. He's like, I'm never going to get on a plane. I was like, bro, that's intense. You deserve a holiday. Um, So hopefully that was helpful. Here's my one-liner positive spin. You ready for it? The Lord reigns. It's going to be okay. (laughs) It's all going to be fine. Um, Yeah, the big one, I want to say at this point, try not to panic and... um, I know personally, like you start to read this stuff and then you start to read a bit more and then you're just like, oh my gosh, this is a bit too much. Um, It can feel like you're starting to have a bit of an existential crisis. Um, But just know that like Christ gives us peace that surpasses understanding, that he's kind of walking with us every step of the way, that he knows exactly what's going on. He knows what's coming, like it's not a surprise to him. 
Um, and he's got it, and he's got us, and it's, it's going to be okay. Um, so, yeah, don't worry about it. The other thing that's cool that we can do and understand uh, about God in the same kind of vein is like in, in Revelation 21 verse 5, it says, God says, you know, in heaven, in this heavenly vision that John has, Christ sits on his throne. He says, behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. And the whole narrative of the Bible is God, you know, after we've fallen out of the Garden of Eden, it's this long journey all the way to Revelation, to the end times, to like where, where the heaven and earth are renewed and where God has restored the earth. And all along the way, it's God choosing people, working with people, walking with people who are just going to go and make things new in different parts and in different ways, kind of walking with him and rebuilding the earth to this point of being all things new. So God is this restorer, and we see this narrative and this theme coming up again and again of God restoring things. Um, and that is the God that we get to partner with, with all things in life, uh, including the climate crisis. He's restoring until he comes back, and he's inviting us to join that story of restoration. And we get the, the, the privilege of actually being able to pray about this. We're doing it not just off our own backs, like I really feel for some of the like the extinction rebellion guys who are like, they can see that the earth has got a sell by date if we carry on the way we are, and they don't believe in a God that's got it. Right? I feel sorry for those guys because it's quite an overwhelming thing. But we've got God on our side, okay? And so do they. We need to tell them. But it's not too late because we've got this restorative God, um, and it's not too late scientifically as well. Although some people probably know more than me about that. Um, but the joy set before us is to work with God and to worship him. And it talks about it in Romans that, you know, we, we live our lives as living sacrifices. And fighting the climate crisis is a sacrifice. You know, it's a big, it's a big machine. Um, but there's stuff that we can do. So what I could do now is list a load of stuff that you can do, but I'm pretty sure you guys know. Uh, you can Google it if you're not sure. If it's the simple things, transport, what you eat, what you do with your time, energy. You know, this, you know the sort of things I'm talking about. I think the point that I want to, exp want to say and express is that as Christians, like, whenever we do anything, we've, we've basically got to ask ourselves two questions. Like, is this thing going to honor God and is it going to honor people? Like, is it, is it loving God? Is it loving people? They're the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And each of our actions plays into that kind of metric. Like, are we loving God? Are we loving people? Uh, and just apply that to your life and think about the climate crisis. But the other thing about the climate crisis is that we can do our bit and we can do it really, really well. But what we're hearing again and again from the people that know about this stuff is that it's not enough to be someone who, like, I know this guy called Jack Wakefield, Tear Fund, you might know him. He put his whole, all his rubbish for a whole year into like a 500 mil plastic bottle. <laughs> and he did like a waste-free year. You don't have to be Jack Wakefield, and it's not enough just to be, you know, a room full of Jack Wakefields. You need to be what he does, which is do seminars up and down the country. Like, he advocates, he, he lobbies, and he campaigns, and he's telling people about it because we need to be kind of spreading the news and, and reaching out to other people, um, which is kind of part, of part of our mission, I think, is to be explaining to people what's going on in the world and, and how we can involve, get involved. So there's some really easy and cool ways to do that. Um, just one example is a tear fund campaign um, 
called Time to Act, is it? Time to some, Time to Deliver. There you go, I put it on the screen, forward thinking. Um, which is calling, climate, uh, calling governments who pledged in 2009 that by 2020 they would be giving $100 billion a year to nations that most need help with the climate crisis. So as I mentioned in the videos, these developing countries are spending their, they're having to divert their resource to dealing with these disasters and it's taking away from things like education and medicine and general infrastructure. So the intervention from richer governments is crucial, but it's not, being, it's not happening. So a really simple way to do it is just to sign a petition online that's gonna help move that money to where it needs to be. Um, and as Abby shared earlier, the simple thing we can do is pray.